Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. everybody welcome back to the final part episode of the series crisis in healthcare hr this is rayan thorne you're listening to hr latte and my guest again is dan white who's the president of workforce solutions at amn healthcare hey dan thanks for joining me good morning rayan how are you i'm doing well i am so excited to be talking to you about this topic it has been a love of mine for many years i kicked off my career in hr as a healthcare or um, yeah, it was a, well, it was healthcare specific recruiter, executive recruiter, retained recruiter. Um, so it was a diff a different experience for me before I went in house as a recruiter. But I have a, a strong affinity and love for the healthcare HR industry and the challenges that they face. And before we jump into this particular episodes, I would love for you to give us a quick overview of your career and how you ended up where you are. I've been doing this now for 30 years, actually started my career in the recruitment area as well. So like you, I learned about this problem on a desk <laughs> and then very quickly got into the technology side of things. I developed a, a small firm in the sort of late 80s, early 90s that competed in the ATS space. And sort of one of the version ones, uh, I think we're probably now in version four or five uh, at this stage. So I, I have a, a strong technology affiliation and affinity. And then I, I moved from there into uh, operations and helped outsource recruitment for some of the largest businesses in the world, Johnson & Johnson, General Motors, financial services organizations, you name it. And so over maybe 10, 15 years, did a, a whole lot of work on trying to help them get better at uh, dealing with crises like we're talking about in healthcare. And then I got the privilege to come to AMN and do my best work to help those people who are doing their best work saving lives every day, which is truly, as you said, one of the most important and passionate things about, you know, what gets me motivated and, and up and coming to work every single day. It's, it's their work that is inspiring to us. For sure. And Dan, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. I think I met you at a, an ERE conference or something like that. I was introduced mm -hmm. to you and um, I've tried to stay in contact with you over the years because I, I saw something in you that I see in myself as somebody that actually really cares about the industry and and wants to highlight and spotlight really great things that are happening, but also talk about the hardships that and the challenges that HR faces. And so to talk about healthcare HR with you is is really a dream come true for me because it is one of my favorite things to talk about and to um, shine a spotlight on and, and see if there's any way that we can help or assist or, or just, you know, See the heroes that are out there making it happen every day, and and with that, I want to I want to go back to something that you said to me in our first episode of this series. I asked you how healthcare HR could avoid 
going into crisis mode? Is there anything that they can do? And you very astutely said, well, you know what, Rianne, they've actually been in crisis mode for a long time and and they're learning how to make it work. So when you think yeah. about that and and the crisis mode that healthcare HR has been in for many, many years, what mm-hmm. what can we learn from that? I mean, I, mean, I know that there are, are folks out there that have been doing this for a long time that haven't given up, that have said, I'm going to keep plugging along and I'm going to keep helping my organization or my healthcare system, and I'm going to make some magic happen on my end for as long as I yeah. can. Is there anything you can share with us or, you know, shine a light on for us on that? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, these are very smart and brave people who, uh, for the most part, I would say, have been really trying to do a lot of this on their own. You know, towards the end of our second episode, I, I mentioned to you that these people that I get the privilege to work with every day are, are the really smart, you know, math and science people, right? That that sort of blew me away in high school and college. And so they're used to solving problems on their own. And what I offer to each of those people every single day is that this is not a problem that you're going to solve on your own. It'd be like me walking in into an ER saying, you know, I need penicillin and asserting that fact, right? When, When truly that's not my expertise. And so I ought to be going and asking a question to an expert that then helps me figure out what I ought to be doing. And so I think they need to kind of take a step back and look at the way that they solve every problem. They use evidence-based decision-making every single day and use that same approach by working with and talking with other experts like AMN and some of our competitors. We as a community, meaning us, our competitors and and all of our customers, right, have been solving these problems in bits and pieces and in pockets. We have many client examples where they've gone from, you know, a struggle to truly exceptional kind of results, even in this sort of, you know, tough dynamic we're in. So that's, I suppose, my, my biggest piece of advice. Great. So AMN Healthcare, in, as your, in your role as president of our Workforce Solutions, uh, you, you yeah. actually have many Workforce Solutions in place to assist um, healthcare organizations, hospital systems. And for a healthcare organization that has not had success with a, a third party, working with a third party, and maybe those that have never done it before, maybe a smaller system that's growing now by leaps and bounds or has been acquired and all of a sudden, you know, has to has to work with third party solutions. Where should yeah. they start? And is there anything that you, any kind of advice that you can give them about what to look for in um, working with a third party that would lead to success? Because I know from my experience, there have been many times when the organizations I've worked with that have have not found success, have nothing good to say about a particular software company or third-party service provider. And Mm -hmm. so I'd love to know from your side of the fence, from the vendor side or the service partner side of it, what what advice can you give? So it's a really good and, and at some level kind of maybe even obvious question, at least the way I, I see it. I always, when anytime I, I try to deal with a challenge, either here at AMN or in the past, it's always been to focus on, you know, what am I going to get the biggest impact from? So some people today truly struggle with their contingent labor. And many really large firms, for example, couldn't even 
answer the question a CEO might ask, like, you know, how many people do we have working for us today? That's a tough question when you don't have all of your contingent labor under management in some way, right? And if you don't have visibility and control like that, then you probably don't have visibility and control over the spend. And again, for a hospital that is typically running on either break-even or even slim positive margins, right? Every little nickel is is pretty important. So sometimes it's, you know, contingent labor. A lot of people today, as I talk to clients and prospects, are really focused on their core staff or their permanent labor. And so if that's where you're you're really focused, you really ought to be talking to experts that can help you with, you know, your people. So what kind of training do you have? What kind of role specialization do you use in your delivery? What kind of technologies do you support those folks with? How do you measure success, right? Right. Um, There are tons of consultants out there that you know well, and and so do I, Mm -hmm. that can give advice there. And then there's the, the other opportunity, which is just, boy, you know what? I want to focus on patient care. I want to focus on retention of the people that I have and the engagement of those folks. And so I'm going to look at a partner to optimize the people process technology and measurement and just either have them augment my staff or even in some cases just outsource the whole thing. And so if you step back and you think about either one of those approaches, or maybe you have a challenge in your leadership ranks because of retirements or things. You can look at interim leadership strategies. There's all kinds of things, but I'll come back to the beginning, which is what's the biggest rock you can move right now that will impact your business? The biggest impact as quickly as possible. You bet. Don't be afraid, right? Dive in the pool. (laughs) Well, I I love that advice. And, and, you know, given where I work, the industry that I work in, which is HR technology, those technologies that support the HR function at different organizations, whether it's healthcare or hospitality, retail, manufacturing, any any organization that has HR, we often, those of us that work on the vendor side, whether it's a service provider or a product or a software of some kind, know that we can either hinder the process and hinder the, you know, the day-to-day operations or we can benefit it and help it. So I, I think it, it really, and I hate the word behooves, but it does behoove us to be, to be in a place where we're, we see that, that we're, we're benefiting. And if we're not, offer other solutions and be a true partner when it comes to, uh, this. That's why I like to call us vendor partners. I know that, you know, in the true sense of the business world, we're, we're not exactly partners. We are, you are the client or the customer, whoever we're working with and selling our product or service to. But I like to consider that. And I think this comes from when I started my recruiting career. My director that I worked under always said that we were an extension arm of the HR Mm -hmm. department and we used the terms we and us and how can we help you and we want you to come join our organization. Even though we were not on site and we weren't, you know, officially a part of that organization, I always felt like I was because of how important it was for me to bring in and hire people that I knew were a fit mm-hmm. for the organization and would stay and would benefit that organization. So I feel the same way about the software that I provide or the service that, that we provide mm-hmm. to the organizations that are our clients, that are our customers. So um, thank you. Know, thank you. That you, that's, uh, that's maybe an even more important point than the one I made previously, which is, you know, our best relationships 
that generate the best outcomes are are those that we are in many ways sort of codependent with each other, right? Sure. Um, true partners that it's never, you know, a discussion about, well, you did this and gee, you didn't make that SLA right, and right. so on. And, and those things are important, no question. They help build that partnership, but it's the attitude that the best relationships will will foster, you know, those highest results for sure. Absolutely. Um, so you, that's spot on. You are absolutely spot on. And I would advise anybody that's listening that doesn't have that good relationship or doesn't feel like they have that partnership to explore ways of how they can improve that that relationship because mm-hmm. there are so many different things that might be missing. You might not be getting or your staff might not be getting the training that they need in a particular product or might not be yeah. speaking to the right. You know, sometimes there's a clash of a personality between somebody with mm-hmm. one organization and another and and that might inhibit the growth of that relationship or the the building of that partnership for um, much better things in the future. And if there is not that really good, strong partnership, you know, maybe it's time to switch um, vendors or or look a little bit further deeper into it. I, I just don't understand continuing on when there is not a good result or success all the way around, whether it's on the back end or the front end, right? Oh, completely. And, and you know, just to use an appropriate analogy, right? I, when I go seek out, you know, medical advice, right? If I don't completely trust the nurse or the doctor that's given me that advice, I might as well get another one. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. I feel the same. I feel the same way if I'm, if I'm shopping at a store and I have a bad experience, you know, I'm yeah, not going to, I'm not going to keep shopping at that store. I'm, I'm, I may complain, but I for sure am not going to keep spending my money there. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't feel the same way about any other type of partnership or relationship yeah. well, with a vendor or provider of some absolutely type. Absolutely well right? said. You bet. Okay. So when we think about the crisis, right, some people might hear that and they may see it in the title of the series and, and be, oh, no, we're in crisis mode. And, and it may seem scary, mm-hmm. but but healthcare HR is doing it. They've been doing it for a long time, as we identified um, earlier. And, yeah. and there are many success stories out there. I would love it if you could share a, a success story that you've been a part of or are aware of from a, an organization, healthcare HR department that really worked closely with the hospital or with management or administration and and then with a partner, perhaps um, AMN Healthcare, and found success through their crisis mode? There are many, 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 many examples, but I'll I'll try to pick out a couple. There is one organization in particular that we've been working with for quite some time, located in New York State, sort of New York City metropolitan area, that you know, does a really nice job of of managing and controlling their their contingent labor. And we've been working together with them for years now in doing that. And because um, of having implemented a, a strong MSP program, they had great visibility into here's how many people we need, here's what the demand looks like, here's what the supply looks like in our region, and discovered pretty darn quickly, you know, Three, four years ago at, at what I would consider sort of the, you know, the building up of the crisis that, hey, we just don't have enough um, nurses with this kind of background. And so we need to create a program that allows us to educate, you know, grab a, a new grad that comes, you know, perhaps out of a local nursing program. We 
tutor them and teach them into, you know, very, very specific skill sets, whether it's labor and delivery or, you know, ER or any other, and develop them over a, a two to three year period into that role. And we need, you know, we need you, AMN, to bring preceptors to help us do that. We'd like to pay, have you payroll them until they become a full-time, you know, resource. And so we collaborated on a, you know, really powerful program and ultimately are solving the shortage problem by accelerating the education in a very targeted way. So that, that's a super example. I, I love um, that. That's great. We also have customers who are looking at the what I refer to as our sourcing challenge, right? You know this as well as anybody. Yep. It's very difficult, right, to find that needle in the haystack. And, and so sometimes when an applicant, right, a nurse comes to a given career site, they might not see a particular role that they're interested in. And so a lot of times they just give up at that point. But we've worked closely with one of our larger clients here on the West Coast so that we do truly a partnership around sourcing and branding where it says, hey, if you don't see a job here that fits your desired you know, role, work, whatever, obviously you can do the traditional thing, which is just sort of profile yourself and wait for the job or and or you could press this other button over here and go to all of our contingent jobs that are being worked on by our partner, AMN Healthcare. And you might find a way to come in and start there and transition into a full-time role with our organization. We call that direct sourcing, right? It's sort of a combination of us both sourcing the same right. person. I love that. That's, uh, that's a great idea. And, you know, candidly, I haven't seen that used very often in any industry. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of powerful, innovative ideas that come from clients that are you know, dealing with this kind of an issue. Yeah, it, it feels like there, and, and I, I I learned this early on, that there is a, I, I need to protect my candidates. I'm not going to share them. But if you're both working toward the same goal, it would seem like that would be yeah. a, a benefit for for any organization. Dan, it, yeah. we're, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking about this crisis mode. Um, maybe you can identify some traits or, you know, a, skill sets that seem to work better for people in healthcare HR. And um, we're going to hear a little short commercial from Dovetail Software, our sponsor for HR Latte. We'll be right back. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. Hey everybody, we are back wrapping up the series, Crisis in Healthcare HR. I'm speaking with Dan White, my guest on this series. We've been talking about the crisis that healthcare HR has been facing for many years now. Dan is the president of Workforce Solutions at AMN Healthcare, and he has been so generous with his time, with his knowledge, with his skills, with his intellect, with his gut, all of these great things that, that bring us to a place in our career where we actually are experts on this subject. And um, Dan's had opportunity to work in a lot of different industries that have rounded out 
his expertise now. And so I want to go back, Dan, and talk a little bit more about something that we were talking about before the break, which is where um, we we kind of protect the candidates that we have and we don't want to share them. I, I experienced this early on in my career where it was, everything was hush, hush and quiet and you don't tell anybody what search you're working on because there's this fear that they may steal the candidates or steal the client. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about that. I know that you had a little bit more to add there. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it's it's a really common misconception by people in recruitment or talent acquisition that, you know, there's, there's some sort of way or need to protect things. I mean, if you start off with the basic fact that there are, you know, just barely over 3 million nurses to use a, a category, right? Just over 3 million nurses in the United States. That's not that many, right? That, that number um, is way lower than I expected. That is not very yeah. many at all. <laughs> and so when you think about, you know, the fact that it's a relatively small number, for those firms like us that, you know, we're really focused on that 3 million number, it's not a daunting task given, you know, data and computers and stuff like that today for you to get your arms around really pretty much the whole set. <laughs> right. And, and so it's not, it's not about protecting, right? It's about nurturing a relationship and encouraging them to want you. There's a difference often I'll, I'll try to coach our recruiters, right? Your job is not to get to a no with a candidate. Your job is not to weed them out. Your job is to get to a yes candidate, right? One that is interested, qualified, and available for our jobs, and then nurture them along. It's not like um, these people are applying to all kinds of places, and the way you differentiate yourself and the way you get them to say yes is not by being protective. In fact, that's a put-off, especially to a millennial, right? right. Well, especially if there's a better opportunity out there for them and they think you're keeping it, them from it, right? Oh, oh yeah. And, and, and any notion of, quote-unquote, ownership is just repulsive <laughs> to a young person, right? For sure, for um, sure. And so, you know, just even reading your audience, um, that's, that's truly a, an inhibitor. So what I... I was really uh, taken by that statement that you made. That there couldn't be a more important mental shift for our, our healthcare clients and and our audience. You know, today. when I was, you know, the first few days of recruiting for me, the first couple of years, I was learning so much about the job itself, and I already had this skill to talk, be able to talk to people. You know, so there were there were many things that came very easily to me, and and what I discovered was that it. And this seems so obvious that it's not just about you finding the right fit for the organization that you're recruiting, recruiting for, but it's about that person being a yeah. fit, whether it's the right job for them, right? And I oh. always shared with my candidates, look, it, it needs to be the right thing for you because if it's not the right thing for you and you're just taking this job because I've coerced you or that, you know, the money seemed better, it, but, but you haven't looked at the whole picture then it's still not the right thing and you're not going to stay and, yeah. and it's not going to be a benefit to the organization or to you. It has to, it's this two-way thing. And, and every time anybody went in for an interview, I'd say, you need to interview them. Make sure yeah. you're interviewing them. I would tell my candidates that. And it's such a, a eye-opening thing for the candidate when they've, they have felt 
such scrutiny and such, um, you know, dastardly acts to try and get them as a candidate because there's such short, there's such a shortage, right? That continues. And this protected pool of 3 million nurses, which is an astoundingly low number to me that they, they need to know that, look, you're in charge, you're in control. This is your destiny too. And it kind of changes that, that thing for the recruiter to say, okay, you know, it needs to be right for our, all parties or it's not, I'm not just, especially those that work on contingency recruiting, not a contingency workforce, but the contingency recruiting where it's like, just get somebody yeah. in the door so I can get my fee. You know, it's a very <laughs> different way to look at recruiting. And it, um, since we've been talking so much about employee engagement and the candidate experience and retention, you know, hanging on to the, we spend so much time and money finding the right candidate. And then we don't spend any time or money to hang on to that person once they become part of our workforce. Yeah. We, we forget how important it is to make sure that the hire is right to begin with. You know, so it's a vicious yeah. circle for, for, for oh, human for resources, sure. you know? So, um, since we're talking about candidates and people and, and also those that work in, in healthcare HR, there are a lot of traits or skills that are necessary to be able to fight this war, you know, to survive this crisis that we're going through. And, and you've had opportunity to meet with many organizations and to, to sit down and speak with HR professionals often over the course yeah. of your career, your, your illustrious 30 year career here. Is there anything that you've noticed that stands out for you that, um, a trait or a skill set that you know from the beginning when you sit down with this person that they they are successful at their job, they're good at their job, their team appreciates them, and they're teaching that team and passing that trade along. If you could share anything like that, that would be great. And if and if there's a way to some things are just innate. You know, I'm a talker by nature. I'm I'm very friendly. That's just an innate thing yeah. that I I got from my parents um, that I have honed over the years. But some things I think can be taught. Like I learned how to recruit. I, I used those innate traits to, to be a good recruiter. If you could share anything that you've seen or have discovered over the years, I'd love that right now. I appreciate the lead in because you've, you've been reminding me of some kind of fundamental things. If we just talk you know, at, about HR in general, there are, you know, parts of HR that are very process focused and transaction focused, you know, whether it's benefits or payroll or things like that, there's, there, there is definitely a, almost like an engineering like mentality to, to it mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about talent acquisition, and I, I tell this to customers and people who work for me as well, talent acquisition or recruiting is, is sales. It is. <laughs> um, you know, and so sourcing, right, is the marketing of that sales program. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you look at best practices and in, in talent acquisition, they tend to have evolved from best practices that were in marketing and sales, right? So when you look at branding and traditional product marketing, right? That comes over really strongly and importantly in in employment branding. When you look at ATSs and how they've evolved, right? That is probably a great outcropping and and analogy that came from CRM systems. In fact, a lot of talent systems call themselves a CRM right now. They do. Right. And so when you look at all of the really, you know, truly best practices and skills and 
innate capabilities like the ones you were talking about, they, they tend to come and have parallels from sales and marketing. And so if you're not open to that kind of a profession, um, you're not going to do well, right? It's important. It's important that you like people, I think, right? Yes, yes. And that you're open to ideas about, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, let me sort of frame it in a negative context, right? I'm not in sales, right? right. I'm in HR. Oh, I said that for but, years. I said that for years. Yeah. yeah. And yet now, right, as you reflect back, it's like, exactly, I've been in marketing and sales my yeah. whole life. That's why I'm good at what I do now. Right. <laughs> and and so if you don't embrace that, then you're never going to quite get to the place where you're honing it in a way that makes you truly exceptional. And then I think just finally, you know, what makes it even more important, right, you have to have those skills. But when you're in healthcare, you need to understand and have great passion for the patient experience. And if you, regardless of how good you are at talent acquisition, if you don't start from a place of, you know, I either serve people who have a calling or I myself has a calling to help people in need at, at very important and critical times of their life, then you're just not going to be a good fit for healthcare. Yeah, that's a big part of the healthcare HR experience. I think that mm-hmm. um, most professionals that I've spoken with recognize that, but I think there are some that kind of just fall into a role and mm-hmm. they just look at it as a day job and they don't understand the impact, the ultimately the end the end byproduct of their work yeah. is that yeah. patient experience, right? And and what the patient yeah. goes through and and ultimately how the organization serves the community. Because it isn't it doesn't just stop with the patient too. You have a fa- family members that are visiting or that are dealing with their own personal crisis. You know, typically people aren't in a hospital or in a healthcare situation if things are great. And jolly at home, right? right? right, right. <laughs> They're normally in right. their own set of of crisis, right? And and yeah, it, it definitely our our work definitely does have an impact on that. If we look outward at on the community mm-hmm. and how the community perceives us, and and whether or not the community, like we talked earlier about continuing working with a a vendor or a an organization that we're buying from, if if we're not happy with that service. And if, if with the product, we're going to turn and go another direction. And so it's harsh to put it in those terms, but really some people can only understand it that way. Look, you're, you're providing a, the, and the, a product and the product is you. The product is you, the person yeah. that's, that's reaching out and serving. Are there any, when you think about it in that way, Dan, and, and you know from your own experience, are there any good resources to help people to understand this side of HR a little bit more. I mean, I know I love ASHRA and I think they do such a great mm-hmm. job serving the healthcare HR community. But are there are there other things like are there magazines, are there books, or are there conferences, webinars that that you can refer? I know that um, AMN does a lot of outreach as well. I've I've included a couple of white papers that I um, in the bio section of of these yeah. podcasts to help and benefit our listeners. But is is there anything else you can share? Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, HRO Today Forum is a great forum okay. for best practices and especially in other industries too. I think HR.com has uh, a number of really content rich sections in this kind of area. There are 
more specific events that I think you talked about earlier, ERE for sourcing mm-hmm. or other events that are specifically about talent acquisition, right? I obviously love to listen to you and, and uh, your podcasts. I, I think there's uh, you have a really strong breadth of, of speakers that come on here. And so it's, it's that, that kind of outreach that I would be doing. Clearly, you know, as you mentioned, there's, there's plenty of uh, content here on amn.com as well. And sometimes just going there and then branching out to places that we refer to, you know, Becker's in healthcare has a lot of really good content that we talk to uh, quite a bit. So there's kind of a, a wealth if you dig in, even if it's just right. at, uh, starting at AMN and, and then branching off from there. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate the the, the referral to HR Latte. I, I am a type of person that I feel like I'm I will never be educated enough. So I hope that our listeners feel that same way, that they could always be doing their job better, that they could always be serving whatever they're serving, their organization, their community better. And I think that we we can continue to develop and grow and listen to other people that maybe have gone through experiences similar to ours or completely diverse from ours. That's the best way to learn. As we wrap up this series, and I want to thank you so much for joining me and, and for your staff. They've been so helpful in sharing different pieces of content and, and helping us so that we can get together and actually have these conversations. As mm-hmm. we wrap up this series, Crisis in Healthcare HR today, what, yeah. what is the most important thing that you'd like to leave with uh, the HR Latte audience? Well, I, you know, it's, it's uh, maybe just a way for us to wrap up what we've been talking about over the, the three different sections, right? One is just an acknowledgement that healthcare has become incredibly complex, and that doesn't seem to be getting any easier anytime right, soon. Right. Workforce challenges are one of the bigger ones in healthcare. And so, you know, dealing with the challenges that we've been talking about all along is, is truly important. And then, you know, if, if we go back to even some of the things we talked about earlier here, you have to be open-minded to solutions that um, you might not be familiar with. And you might, you know, if you take that intellectual curiosity that you just referred to, Rayanne, right. and you, you bring it to this challenge, you're going to find people who have solved these problems before and that you can learn from and you can sort of tweak and bend and make them specific for your organization so that you can really attack this problem and truly get to a place where you're optimizing the talent for your workforce that, you know, saves money, but drives those patient outcomes that you and I have been so passionate about all three of these talking sections here. So hopefully this stuff resonates. And if, if folks have interest in learning more about this. I have plenty of people on my team that can, you know, reach out to them and talk them through any one of the the solutions that we provide and, and you know, hopefully educate them in a way that makes them feel uh, more empowered, frankly. That's great, Dan. And we'll include contact information in the bio of this this show. And and I know that you're on Twitter and so is AMN and and that's a good way to reach out, but also um, you have provided your email address in the past, and we'll make sure that that's in in the the bio written section here of the podcast. It has been such a pleasure. I count you among one of my longest, oldest, dearest friends, and I really appreciate you sharing sharing your expertise and jumping on this series with me as we 
as we jump through the hoops, as we prepare for conference season and, and meeting and talking with folks that, that work in HR, whatever the industry, um, healthcare will always be a, a first love for me. But I, w- I just want to thank you, Dan, so much for, for your help and assistance on this podcast and, and sharing your knowledge. Brianna, it's been a pleasure for me too. I, I truly appreciate all that you do and the way you go about it. It's just such a, a giving way of, of talking about challenges, right, that everybody has. So thank you, Dan. Uh, you're it's, awesome. At what you know, you do. I, I, I'm one of those people that likes to share, share in the misery, <laughs> any misery yeah, that I've gone enough. through. I want to share and, and see if somebody can help me get through it too. So I, I recognize Fair that enough. and the need for us to talk about it. And I, I love the different perspectives that you brought to this conversation. So thanks again. It's been a pleasure. You are welcome. And thanks everybody for tuning in. This is wrapping up our three-part series, Crisis in Healthcare HR. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back with a new series next time. Thanks so much. 